time once again for the Complete Inbox Podcast. Phil, I'm just too amped to sing. We're back <laughs> after a little hiatus. I'm just so pumped to be back behind this microphone. Did you have a good, I guess, essentially, what, week, two weeks off uh, since the last time we did the podcast? Please tell me you got something going on. Yeah. No, I did. Uh, it's really... We've been doing a lot of painting. It's still been more kind of work around the house, uh, getting things ready for September with the the baby incoming. But no, I think it was great. It was a, a good week off, a nice uh, three day weekend in there, and um, got to spend it with some family and stuff. So yeah, uh, great time. How about you? Yeah, well, hell, how's your trip, man? Uh, dude, my trip was pretty legit. Stopped in Colorado uh, to see Ellen and her brother get married. Wait, no, let's back that up. Ellen did not marry her brother. That's let's try good. That again. Yeah, yeah, to see yeah. Ellen's brother get married. I don't want to start the controversy on the Complete and Box podcast. Um, <laughs> Anything to get but, clicks. No, it what, was cool. Such a clickbaity thing, dude, talking about that. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, just the big sign that says, Rich's girlfriend marries brother. You know, that yep. just, uh, we could definitely make some uh, money off of that. Uh, <laughs> no, went to Colorado, saw the wedding. It was great. Food was awesome. good. Uh, had a good time out there. And then we went to Vegas, and Vegas uh, is a little more expensive when you take a significant other out oh, there bad. than it is when you go all by yourself. So, and it's not like she didn't like you know help pay for stuff. It was just like man, like life is much different when you are coupled up out in the Vegas. But you know, it was my first couples trip, and and now I know. Right? Um, Has she been? So, I mean, I, I guess I, I'm guessing is the just the sheer number of people who have been to Vegas. She's been there before. Yeah, she's been there a couple times. Uh, she went once for vacation and once for work. Uh, so this was time number three for her. Uh, I have now officially lost count right. the number of times that I've been out there. <laughs> if you had a punch uh, card, which, you would have already had so many free Las Vegases by now, dude. Dude, I would have so many free subs from Jimmy John's. <laughs> If I had a punch card to go out to Vegas. Um, so, no, it was cool. We stayed at the MGM Grand. They have a Lazy River, which was Dynamite. Dynamite. Uh, again, this was different than to any other trip I've done in Las Vegas. Um, you know, the last few times I've been out there for work, this is the first time I've been out there in a couple years for fun, uh, actually. So, uh, it was a good time. Spent a lot of time at the pool. Uh, did some good eating. Uh, like I said, we went to this uh, low-budget, off-the-strip, old-timey, uh, Vegas Italian joint where they had like uh, some cheesy jazz band playing music while we were eating. Uh, it was uh, pretty legit, man. It was a lot of fun. I now, is this that so. speakeasy you mentioned the last time we recorded, or is this a different No, joint? the speakeasy was the bar that we went to after dinner. So this was post-dinner drinks. Gotcha. Um, How was that? So, yeah, which it was, that was all right. I mean, I don't think I'd ever do it again, but I have the story, you know, where it's like you text the hostess, they make you wait out a room where nobody's in, uh, and then they secretly bring you into another room, and then you order drinks, and the bartender is a pretentious butthole. Uh, I mean, he was really nice, but like, he's like, you know, what we do here is we make drinks based on your taste. So don't say that you like vodka, say that you like different types of food and i'm like bro just Jesus make me Christ. something like an old-fashioned you know what i mean like yeah dude i'll make so it it's okay to know what you like to drink from a glass you don't have to like just walk yeah. i've never experienced alcohol before well do you like the yeah. color green oh yeah like yeah I mean, dude, he was a weird. nice guy i don't want to i don't want to call him like every other pretentious bartender i've ever come no. across i mean shit i used to be one but if he's asking uh, for your astrological sign to figure out what drink to serve you that's getting a little arbitrary 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, but then also at that point, we were really tired. And <laughs> sure. Vegas, that weekend of Vegas actually happened to be the last day of EDC, uh, which oh, is that wow. uh, electronic daisy carnival where all the kids go out there and they partied up. And, oh, my God, that was an absolute mess. And then also that same day was the Billboard Music Awards, which are going on across the street. So the hotel in Vegas itself was just absolutely nuts. Yeah. And so by the time we got to have our drinks, we were just kind of like, let's have these expensive drinks and let's immediately go home <laughs> and die. Right. So that I think if we were in a, had a little more energy in us, it might've been a better experience, but I mean, the drinks were good. The bartender was cool. He definitely knew what he was doing. Um, I had this like smoked Applewood old fashioned, which was pretty delicious. I'm not going to lie. Um, but, uh, you know, $40 for two drinks later Oof. and I was ready to go home. So, Yep, can't blame you there. Awesome, it yeah, sounds good, man. Um, yeah, it was great. And I came home, and I had mentioned that I was hiring somebody to do my lawn while I was gone. They oh, yeah, how'd they do? Not oh, at all. They did not, they didn't, they, I called the guy. He's like, yeah, dude, forgot. I was like, cool, man. Uh, you are amazing at business. So <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> good luck to you and your lawn no mowing way. incorporated. It was, yeah. He was just kind of like so casual about it. I was like, yeah, I'll come over and do it today. I was like, no, dude, I already got it. What do you, you, I'm not going to wait any more days right. for you to not forget about my lawn. And pay somebody uh, else. I'm not indisposed anymore. The whole precipice or whatever premise of me reaching out to you was because I could not, but I can now, so get fucked, I guess. <laughs> like, later, dude. Yeah. Wow. Our friends over at the Loose Thursday podcast were apparently, uh, they're apparently not impressed with my lawn acumen, and they want to come see it for themselves. <laughs> so, you know, here's the invite, fellas. Come down, and I will buy you your Miller Lights, uh, and we'll get uh, get some vaping over here. VapeNation.com. Vape Nation. Vape Nation. No, it was uh, it was cool. Uh, so I mean, I was actually happy they didn't have to pay them. I did the lawn myself, and of course, right. the day uh, this past weekend was just mega hot. I don't know if yeah. it was like that in Des Moines, but bro, I lost five pounds between mowing my lawn and planting the garden. Oof. No way. Yeah. Not cool. I mean, yeah, sure, I can I can lose the five pounds. But it's probably not a healthy way to lose five pounds. Anyway. Good stuff. Let's just go ahead and let's, let's jump into this, Phil. I'm ready to get started. I hope you are. There's oh, lots yeah. of stuff to talk about today. And some of the things we're going to talk about today is we're hoping to do a little top five, a la our friends over the Loose Thursday podcast. We're going to steal that bit from them. Uh, we're going to talk mini consoles, which are going just insane yep. uh, again. Uh, we've got about four to talk about today, which should never actually be a right. thing right <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about uh the new release potentially from fallout uh mm-hmm. ahead of e3 but phil uh yeah, well, we're going to talk a little about some games coming to the switch but let's go ahead and let's jump into first uh battlefield 5 ea has announced that they're actually not going to be having loot boxes for battlefield 5 which i think is kind of legit Right. Uh, we've talked a little bit about loot boxes, Phil, and I think people know our stance on the loot boxes, which is mm-hmm. F them yep. hard. Oh, yeah. uh, do you think that this is something that continues throughout gaming, or will there always be a market for people who want to get an advantage with money? Well, yeah, I think there's always going to be a market, right? Um, I would imagine at this point, just like any other business, you're trying to differentiate yourself and kind of look at what is there a part of the market that other people aren't catering to and can you cater to them 
And so Battlefield Five, I've not played anything in the Battle Five. I'm sorry, Battlefield series, but it's a first-person shooter, right? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Exactly. In the so way of like Call of Duty, it's pretty self-explanatory. Even if just looking at it, like, oh, it's called Battlefield. I'm gonna take a shot in the dark here and say that's what it is. But yeah, I think that because obviously there's already a, a lot of AAA strength in there with like Call of Duty, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, Liza, they're just really a lot of online driven first-person shooters that if everybody else is doing loot boxes and it's not the rarest opinion ever to think how we think on this which is to say they're shit and they're terrible just kind of cash grabs like that after already paying full price for the title it makes sense that battlefield's going to get people like you and i talking about it um i'm sure other folks out there who are really into first-person shooters but have the same feelings we do about loot boxes are going to be like fine i'm going to support this company and it's going to i think that decision will uh, totally move units for them uh, so it's a good business move on their part. As to whether it's a I sign of a, a hard move for the genre away from it, I don't believe that that will be the case. I think that as long as people have money, people are always going to look for a competitive advantage. And something like, I think, the Pyrrhus Battlefield, where you had to uh, essentially keep up with the Joneses in order to be able to you know, play the same maps as your friends... Uh, get the same kind of weapons, get the same advantage, you know, you need to keep up. If you're going to play competitively, you have to pay to keep up. Uh, and like I said before in previous episodes, is Madden is no different. Like, you have to pay to keep up if you want to be competitive online. And for somebody like me who really hates losing, especially in Madden, and have, right. you know, punched many a hole in wall because of that stupid game, <laughs> and have spent countless amounts of dollars on broken controllers because of that game. Many a chair was flipped at the hands many of... Many a chair was flipped. <laughs> many a butt was exposed. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to stick on talking about that sometime. But um, we... Uh, it's... It's different now, right? So I'm not going to try and spend a whole lot of money because I, for me, competitive gaming is is over, right? I'm not joining any Madden tournaments anymore. That my skills have since left me. When I win, I feel good, but I'm also not like, yeah, I'm the best and you can't stop me. Um, and it'd be great if it was, you know, skill versus skill instead of, okay, well, I spent $3,000 on my team. Mm-hmm. My team's just way better. You know, it's you right. with the pay to play. It, it can be impossible, especially for somebody who doesn't have those means. And now I think there's a lot of parents giving you know kids their credit cards, and they just kind of go ahead and was like, oh, yeah, dude, I'll spend 20 bucks on this. And all of a sudden, a $60 game turns into a $300 game, and it's like you know, between the microtransactions of $5, 10 that shit adds up fast. Right. And all of a sudden, you look at your credit card, and like, what the hell did Jimmy do? Uh, it just it gets kind of crazy. So I'm all about no loot boxes. I hate the fact for that you have to gamble. Now, if you want to pay for like cosmetic, exactly stuff, I'm all in. Yeah. So like in Fortnite, if I want a skin, right. dude, I'm gonna download it. I'm gonna pay five ten bucks for it because it's it's something that I'm gonna use. It's gonna make me feel cool, but it adds zero competitive advantage. Yeah. So no, I agree, and that's where that's actually. The, I'm glad you mentioned Fortnite. That was my next thought. Well, still having not played it, understanding the economy in it, and that yeah, all purchases uh, towards equipment or whatever you have in that does not affect gameplay. That's still seen. Just it's been like wildly successful nonetheless. So I don't know. It would be great if uh, the loot boxes in general go away. I, maybe the other thing is uh, <laughs> there's probably interest within companies like. Well, EA is the folks who put out Battlefield. There's probably interest in them to kind of gauge performance for a title that leaves loot boxing behind because we already we've discussed previously that they're 
there is some legal attention to the subject of loot boxes, yeah. uh, both in Europe and uh, in starting at low levels, but here in the United States. So yeah, they might be kind of thinking, what title can we experiment with that leaves loot box behind? And then we can gauge performance and, and build that into how our, our future titles will work, where maybe it will turn out that um, loot boxes in general are made illegal or increasingly regulated to the point where it's just not as uh, not as interesting uh, a path to take for these uh, software designers. And I get it. A lot of these games, they have to create more revenue because a, a new game has been $60 since we were kids. Right. So the cost right. of a game has not gone up, even though essentially, you know, the inflation has, right? So sure. uh, I see where they have to sort of make more money, but I would rather, much rather pay 80 bucks for a game than sure. uh, 140 down the road. I mean, that's just an obvious math, and I, but and the but, numbers, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. I, I know what you mean. And then the numbers, the one thing I would, I, I think is important to consider as well um, in the business aspect of it is the scales of economy, right? It's true that a Super Nintendo cartridge would have been like 60 bucks back in 1993. Um, and then 15 years later in 2018, a new AAA title is still $60, despite the fact that $60 purchasing power is just not the same between that yeah. um, that span of time. Sorry, did I say 15? I meant uh, 25 years. But the thing that's important to keep in mind, too, is how many units does a Super Nintendo cartridge in 1993 move? Um, and then compared to also the cost of production, with the actual cartridge and shipping and taking up yeah. shores, sh- store shelf right. space, you might move a really successful game, push like, what, 3 million units? But nowadays, uh, the industry is larger than filmmaking. So mm-hmm. if you're still charging 60 bucks a pop without inflation adjusted, but it's an online-only title, and it's you know, you're selling it now to 10 times the number, uh, one imagines that the costs should really come down. The expense per unit you move should really be down compared sure. to the old days. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that totally makes uh, perfect sense. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, certainly, I appreciate the cost of a game, but, yeah, there's a lot that goes into sure. financial decisions of games. So, All right, Phil, let's move ahead to some Nintendo Switch news. The new Pokemon game is coming yeah. to Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Um, Phil, why don't you ask me how I feel about Pokemon coming to Switch? Rich, how do you personally feel about Pokemon coming to Switch? I'm kind of in, brother. I'm kind of in on it. <laughs> and not because I played a lot of the Pokemon on the Game Boy, but I am going to come out and say it. My name's Rich, and I play Pokemon Go, uh, and I play it nearly every day. Wow. I am a Pokemon Go fan, and this new port coming to the Switch actually will allow you to link your Pokemon Go account to your Pokemon on the Switch, and you get to collect Pokemon, you get to battle, mm-hmm. uh, which are things that I'm not extra familiar with. I think the game, I, the Pokemon game I, ever, I played the most was like Pokemon Snap, where literally you threw balls at things, you took the picture <laughs> sure. on Nintendo 64. Yep. So as far as the battle aspect goes, like that's something I still struggle with when I play Pokemon Go, because I really don't care if a grass type can fight a rock type. I really don't give a shit, but right. um, that's probably going to help me figure that part out. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I am one of those geeks that plays the Pokemon. Uh, I am a part of the Terre Haute Pokemon Go community. Uh, <laughs> sort of behind the scenes, there's a lot of people who like go and hang out and do all these other events, but I tend to just do it when they're near campus. So right. yeah, Phil, 
Pokemon awesome. coming to Switch. Will it make you want to get a Switch? Uh, well, I should say beforehand that I, I do want to get a Switch. Will this game want me to get a Switch more? I don't think so. Uh, well, so Pokemon, if we would have been born, what, three years later than we were? I feel like kids in sixth grade were playing that when I was like in eighth grade, and I just kind of dismissed right. it as child's play stuff. At the same time, um, I have played some of the old ones, uh, specifically Pokemon Yellow, which does tie into this new um, Switch title that's coming out because the, was it like Pokemon Go Pikachu, right, is the working title for this? I don't think it even comes out until... Yeah, the, there's, there's actually the two different... Year. So there's two different versions. There's the right. Pikachu version and the Eevee version. Yep. And what I've understood, and again, this is all so much up in the air because it's just industry insiders whispering about it and they get the shit wrong all the time. But they're saying that the game within it is really just going to be like a reskin of the Pokemon Yellow um, game that came out for Game Boy. And that's basically first-gen Pokemon. And I've played them, and I haven't actually sat down and beat the games at all. But I've come around to Pokemon in the years since. Uh, looking back on it as like a retro title, it's actually pretty cool. Um, I dig the little RPG of it. Just kind of walking the world and collecting the Pokemon and leveling them up and all that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it still hasn't completely grabbed me. My thing with, I just never, I didn't like Pokemon Go at all. I gave that a shot the day it came out. You played it for like 20 minutes and I was like, oh, that's how this works. And then I was like, uninstall. Like I'm, <laughs> I had no interest <laughs> in it at all. I don't know. Um, I just found myself burning through like Pokeballs or whatever and just chilling at, I think it was like, I was living... Um, up in Ankeny at the time, uh, still in the Des Moines area, and just noticing, like, well, I guess I can get my car and drive over to what I can tell is a dog park about a mile away and catch another one, or I could not, and then I decided not to. So, no, I, I think it's fine. Um, I think I, I get the idea of, of Pokemon Go. I get why it really does. It's such a hit with so many people, but I'm just such an old bastard and sticking the mud about <laughs> some of this stuff. And so it, it didn't quite grab me. <laughs> but I'm very excited for you um, being excited about it. I think all said, the way that they're going to kind of merge the old school RPG elements of Pokemon into, you know, or still, like you said, the Pokemon Snap, where I think a lot of people are kind of bitching so far that it's going to remove that combat or the battle element, the turn-based battle element of it but no right. I, I think that that's i don't think that's something to bitch about i think that they can certainly they can diversify you know they can make a game that honors that and then still i, I think that this extension of pokemon go is certainly better than what we have now i'll put it that way i think it's a neat development uh for that particular that title or really all these what they call them ar games right like is it alternate reality i don't the know aug Augmented reality. Augmented, thank you. Augmented reality. Yeah, man. I, I think for what that is and what it says about the future of kind of gaming meeting real life, it's it's pretty great. So it, all all good. Yeah. Uh, so Pokemon Go, I think, is actually like really, really. It's different because it actually what I like about it is it gets me out of my office for lunch instead of just sitting in my office and eating a sandwich. I will maybe take my sandwich on a walk. And while I'm walking, there's an incentive for me to go out and do some stuff. And so it uh, it kind of keeps me moving a little bit. And I can go out and ride my bike, go to a park, do some things. And it's more about the activity than it is about, like, you know, meeting new people. 
But the cool thing about this is, like, I've met so many different types of people while playing this. Everything from just, uh, you know, everybody who is well-to-do, who has money, to people who don't. It's just a sure. really cool game. It just sort of bridges this socioeconomic gap, which I think is kind of pretty cool. Yeah, that's um, a good point. And everybody's sort of in it together. Now, there, there's you can read on the internet about people meeting their spouses playing sure. Pokemon yeah. Go or total introverts who never left the house going outside and this is giving them an opportunity to meet new people which i think is great um and i appreciate any time that somebody can go out and, and do those things but for me it's more about the activity it's about getting steps on my fitbit uh and it's about you know i guess keep my interest because you know when it comes to me like i have to have something that takes my mind off of what i'm doing especially when it comes to exercise or, or whatever so when i'm walking on the treadmill i'm watching a tv show on netflix or i'm playing uh, an rpg on my snes classic or something and pokemon go like i can keep my phone in my pocket i've got that little pokemon go plus that whenever it buzzes it, i can collect pokemon and i actually have to look at my phone um so i'm more inconspicuous in my pokemoning because i don't know what it is <laughs> but it's still like a pokemon go i feel like people are judging me while i play because i'm like this 36 year old guy who's literally sure. just walking around a park by himself exactly uh, and today and- and like, I want to tell you that people aren't judging you for it, but I, I am. They totally when I see it. Yeah. And you should, you totally should. Like, no, I, I shouldn't, I, totally I shouldn't. It. It's terrible. Uh, but you know, today I was, I was messing around on it and I was, I must've looked like I was staring at a tree and one of my colleagues walks by and goes, oh, it looks like a man in deep thought there. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really thinking about some tough stuff here, doc. Sure. And really I'm just like focusing on this Pokemon. So, you know, that's great. You got to fake it to make it, I guess. I don't know. So <laughs> I, I'm really interested to see how this works. Um, you know, I I tried getting back into Pokemon, like the blue and the red. Uh, and uh, we actually, I have a, you know, the Game Boy, um, the Super Nintendo Game Boy cartridge. Uh, what are they called? Superboy. Uh, where you put the Game Boy thing in, you can play your Game Boy games. And so that kind of got me back into playing a little bit. Um, but then my brother moved, we kind of stopped doing those things. But. Uh, yeah, this might be might get me back into some things. It's a different game to play, uh, and I'm looking forward to. It. Even though I, my library of uh, games on the Switch is like increasing, I finally just started playing Super Mario Odyssey, which, by the way, is a jam. So oh, yeah. feel go out and get a Switch. Awesome, good. Yeah, Don't I know. I really need to get a hold of a Switch, um, if for no other reason than Odyssey and especially uh, Breath of the Wild, of course, because that that hits yeah. every box on on the list of stuff I would consider a, a solid title. So, yeah, but I'm always being the cheapskate that I am. I generally, it's like if, once the console's been out for, like, three years and if they're under, like, third bundle of some kind and it's on sale, I'll go scoop one up. Go do it. All right, Phil, let's get us into some mini consoles. They're everywhere. Why don't they you sure uh, tell us a little bit more about those? Jesus Christ, there's just so many of them, man. Like, they just... It's ridiculous. There's shit. There's stuff that just doesn't need to be brought brought back from the dead. Um, for like the next, we're gonna see a Atari Jaguar mini retro console pretty soon, man. We're gonna see a, the only uh, game that would be on that would be like Alien versus Predator. That's it. They right. Uh, so basically, what we've got um, we've got SNK um, for those who aren't familiar, the the Neo Geo people. So they made uh, back in the nineties. <laughs> Those Neo Geo people, the old, you the old weird Neo Geo people, fucking people. They uh, they made some. They were really great at making fighting game 
uh, titles. They did the whole Art of Fighting and uh, something Fury, but uh, and then Samurai Showdown and just a bunch of like uh, basically all the fighting games that weren't Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat in the '90s were pretty much theirs. Um, and so one of the things that people might recall too, uh, you'd see them pop up in places that you wouldn't normally get an arcade machine, right? Like your laundromats or your gas stations. There would be these Neo Geo arcade machines that would have like maybe three to four games already in it. Right. They one made of my favorite a... games of all time on those SNK uh, arcade cabinets was Baseball Stars Two. Yep, that's Very a great game. With the SNK. Yeah, absolutely. So. Based on that, um, they did have a home console come out that's it's got its own history to it, and it was a colossal failure because it was like a $700 console or some shit. But they are making uh, a little mini Neo Geo coming out. and it's uh, it, But it's more like meant to look like the arcade machine, and so it's really just like, I, I'd have to guess it's about six inches tall. Imagine a Game Boy that's basically shaped like an arcade cabinet. But uh, it's supposed to have a really good screen on it, but it just, you know the benefit of it, though, is that it will also hook up to it with HD out to a television and it's gonna have some really great games on it so that's like the positive side right of some of the mini consoles that are coming out we'd already talked about how Sega's got one coming out um, from those folks at at games or AT games whatever they call them that have so far just been awful uh, every time they've released one but it even gets lower where so the Atari VCS retro console which at this point just seems like it's a it's a computer gaming device of some kind that's just going to have bundled into it some Atari games and then retail for like what 200 300 bucks a unit 330 dollars I think Jesus is what it's going to retail for yeah so they put that up they allow pre-orders through I don't know if it was GoFundMe or whatever and the thing is just like shattered they wanted to what raise a hundred thousand dollars and so far I think the last I checked it it raised like 1.3 million something like that it's just crazy. that's ridiculous okay so let's Okay, so Sega is, they've officially announced that At Games is going to make their mini console, which they've done before, right? Like, I mean, this is not their first Sega console. Is this, is this true? Right, that's correct. It's not the first throwback, retro, plug-and-play kind of Sega Genesis console. Right, so Sega is just essentially rehashing the same bullshit they've done in the past. It's going to be, other than the fact that it looks like a cool Mega Drive, I'm not going to lie, like, the Mega Drive itself looks pretty legit. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it looks pretty cool, but... Dude, the Atari, though, think about right. something you could buy for $330. Yeah, Okay, exactly. think about it. You could buy a PlayStation 4 mm-hmm. for $330 with some games. Yep. You could buy a new TV for $330. You could buy a couple of Xbox One bundles during the holiday season for $330, I'm sure. Dude, you could get two drinks at a speakeasy in Las Vegas for $330. <laughs> you could have your lawn fake mode by some yeah. random company in Terre Haute, <laughs> exactly. Indiana. Get a lot done. Uh, oh, my God. It's, I, it makes me cringe to think that you, you could buy the entire Atari library mm-hmm. for $330, essentially. Right. Other than, Basically. like, the the rare like sex games or whatever you know eat, beat them and eat them or whatever it is sure custer's last uh, stand and others yeah custer's <laughs> revenge or whatever the hell it is uh you could probably yeah. buy three weeks with todd rogers for 330 dollars i wouldn't recommend it while he teaches you how to play barnstorm or whatever it is so i uh, dude i'm not in at all no, on the atari no. atari holds no weight for me whatsoever 
I mean, yeah, it's fun to play every now and then. It's like, oh, cool, look how stupid this looks. Look how you idiots from the 70s played video games. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Get them. Which... Yeah, take that, you Gen Xers. Yeah, take that, people born in the 70s, dicks. You um, rat bastards. No, I, listen, the Atari has on it some really cool titles. It has some games that came out that um, I, that I think are still fun to pick up and play now. Well, I admit that they're fun to play for about between 30 seconds and 3 minutes at a time before you're done. Sure. But everything about gaming design changed between Atari and Nintendo. And so I think commercially, let's talk about video games in America. No question. Give the trophy to Atari. It did get into people's households. It also got got it out of people's households, which is something that a lot of people forget, is that it sucked so bad it caused a video game crash. But at that time, (laughs) it was just strictly... Because it flooded the market. Right. And they looked at... Like the companies who were making video games at that point, um, especially when it crashed, were like all the big media companies that got in there and were just churning out whatever garbage they could. Uh, you know, just think about all the crap that Activision at one point turned out. You know what I mean? Well, actually, like they make some... Activision's like the one good company, but like Warner that's Brothers. What, but that's what I mean. But they still put out some like. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of just well, that's because I think stuff. they didn't understand the uniqueness of game designers. It was back then games were designed by programmers, and this isn't to shit on mm-hmm. programmers. Some of the best game designers were programmers, but there's a reason that Shigeru Miyamoto makes those games he's not a programmer the man is just a thinker he's like he's a doodler just imagination filled man and so he was able to bring that kind of playfulness of the imagination and come up with really great things that fit within a video game and let the programmers handle the programming elements of it but yeah generally if you just left it up to the programmers you end up with games like et and that's not to shit on uh wishar or whatever i can't remember the guy's name offhand but you know it just it game design wasn't best in the hands of the people who were also the ones figuring out where the coordinates on the screen the you know the character needed to be and all that so the atari sucks it not to hurt people's feelings i think it's great if you got a nostalgic connection even i've got nostalgic connection to some of the games but it's it it reminds me it's kind of similar in some ways to these 3d age that we entered with the nintendo 64 I don't know, man. The Nintendo 64 does not have a great library. It didn't age well. No, it got there first. It does not. And yeah, and it looked great for the time, but it really took that second generation of 64-bit to get it right. And I feel like the 8-bit age yeah. with Atari or you know before Nintendo, the same thing. They didn't get it right till the N- Nintendo and Master Systems come out. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, and with the 64, there are just what 10 games that are like must play if that you know what i mean like yeah about a dozen games that are pretty great yeah so while the 64 has some really excellent games it just has a lot of things that are essentially unplayable yeah Um, and so when you look back at the at the 64 as a transcendent console Mm -hmm. it's good the games like ocarina of time draws mask Mario 64 star fox 64 you know yeah Smash Brothers, the Banjo-Kazooie games, Smash Brothers, right? So Lots there's of good stuff, Conker's but... Bad Fur Day, day uh, is is up there too as a thing game that people remember. But again, that's where it, that's just about where it ends, man. Right. Nobody cares about San Francisco Rush 2049 right. uh, <laughs> or the 14th version of WCW versus NWO. Right. Uh, so. Yeah, and there were just so many yeah. games that I think were wildly successful for the Nintendo 64 back then that were successful based entirely on the fact that the tech was new and it looked better than what was on Super Nintendo. Like, people were excited to play Turok 
Dinosaur Hunter or whatever the hell it was called. That right. game, I feel like that game has People a draw distance. Her. Yeah, they loved it. That game has a draw distance of like six feet. You're just, mm-hmm. the whole game is in fog. So many first person yeah. games were just in lost in fog. You couldn't see very far in them because they just couldn't draw the polygons for that much on screen. So they would just only draw what you could see very at a yeah. weak distance. So, no, the, the system was really Gold neat. GoldenEye was the same way. Say, I agree, yeah. Every, I think, and I, I imagine people misremember, right, uh, how great the games probably looked because they're so used to playing 3D games that have come out since. But, yeah, if you try to go back and legitimately open up, uh, you know, get playing on a, a round of uh, GoldenEye, it just doesn't look great. It's hard to look no. at. It's tough on the eyes. Yeah, look at Oddjob's face right. on the 64 version of GoldenEye. Right, uh, and you'll you'll quickly remember how unplayable oh, this did it, look like, or shit, how yeah. like weird it looked. <laughs> but at the time, though, it was like, oh my god, this is blowing my freaking mind! Like it's 3D everywhere, you know? Like, right, this is awesome. And dude, F Goldeneye, that's one of my least favorite games ever because I'm tired of getting spawn jacked, dude. Yeah, uh, dude, I'll never forget that, man. Never forget getting spawn jacked by Josh Husky back in the day. Uh, <laughs> every time I played, he's like, "Yeah, man, right. you want to play Goldeneye? Not really, because you're just gonna go where I." wake up after you kill me and uh it's it's gonna be zero fun for me so the best part is i remember thinking i can't wait for this whole fad to pass <laughs> like, <laughs> the idea of like this um, on like this multiplayer shooting game i'm like yeah this sucks i can't wait for everybody to get back to street fighter little did i know man and and because of that i was kind of i didn't like uh goldeneye so i i didn't get into that genre games halo comes out didn't refuse to get into that i just still i still to this day i'm shit i'm useless at first-person shooter games because I never yeah, I'm put trash. the time in back then. It's kind of like Madden. If you didn't start playing Madden when you were eight years old and then played it you for ain't 10 picking years it straight, up now. no, it's too late. It's too complicated for you I, to get started. I think at one point I was telling my dad about playing Madden, and he's like, hey, is that easy to get into? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. I mean, no. you know, you, you watch football, so you understand what the plays are supposed to do, but your fingers do not work that way. And I'm not trying to discourage people from playing Madden, let's be honest, but... Oh, no, but there's just know. so many. Like, this year's version's got a new feature added, and this year's version got a new feature added, and you just start yep. stacking those features up, and eventually, like, you really have to know exactly what to press and when. I'd love to get into FIFA. Um, I, my brothers-in-law love that game, and I love all of watching them play it, but it's also, it's just like, oh, shit, I got no chance. Like, I'd have to, like, <laughs> just lock myself in a room for six months, emerge with, like, a beard and gaunt... Just be like, I did it. Like, I could finally get good at at FIFA because I just can't hang. Because it just takes years and years of playing it and getting used to every new title and what changes <laughs> right. in it. Yeah, I'm never playing FIFA. Yeah, it's just, you're just not going to get me to do it. <laughs> uh, but, God, I mean, we've been talking about these mini consoles now and sports games, but we forgot to talk about Intellivision making oh. a, possibly making a return in, in a mini console form. This is getting out of hand, dude. It Seriously. Is. So Tommy Tallarico, um, he was a, I believe, like a sound designer, and he did, I think, some pretty excellent work. I apologize, none really comes to mind off the top of my head, but um, he's been really kind of a cool voice within the community. But the dude's a little out there, right? Like you probably agree. The dude's yeah, cousins totally with, yeah, the dude's cousins with. Uh, I don't know if you knew this. He's cousins with Steven Tyler, in real life. Really. Yeah, and then when you see that, you know that, and you look at him, you're like, okay, <laughs> I can kind of get it. <laughs> they really are pretty similar dudes. Um, so, yeah, he uh, is being in early in game design, really did make a pretty prolific career out of it. 
and as a result, he's kind of led some organizations that do like symphonies of video game music that tour and some kind of some cool stuff. But uh, bafflingly, he has decided to found a company that is going to make a mini version of the uh, Mattel Intellivision. Those listening are wondering, what's an Intellivision? And to that I say, what a terrible idea to bring this Intellivision back. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. Uh, It's just so the Intellivision, there was like a glut of hardware consoles that all came out to compete with the successes of home consoles, uh, basically starting with Pong up through the Atari 2600 before the crash happened. And uh, right. which is, I guess, when I think about it, it, it probably stands to reason that Atari didn't single-handedly kill the video game industry at the time. It was because of games. It was because of consoles like the Intellivision too, as well. Is it the same with like the ColecoVision, and uh, and just some of that shit? So the Intellivision, by all estimation, it was a better-looking console than a 2600. Just never got the market saturation. Um, it's probably like that Sega Master System of that era of games. All this to say, who the hell would want a Sega Master System mini console? I certainly wouldn't, and I sure as hell don't want an Intellivision <laughs> no. one. Because I have no interest in any of these. Name I have your no top... interest in any of these. No, Rich, I name barely me your had top interest in the one, Nintendo. Name me your top one game for the Mattel Intellivision, Rich. Uh, Donkey Kong, maybe. There, well, that's you're right. There is a Donkey Kong on it. Well, good work. You, that's that's mine too. Then I don't have a single one. To even say on television, and I know way too. Do you much, want to know why? Do you want to know why Donkey Kong is my quote favorite in television game? It's because at a flea market, I found the game, and it's like cool. I'll buy it just so I can have an Intellivision game. And you know what? I sold <laughs> it on eBay for less than what I paid for because it, it was stupid. Oh wow! Yep, that's not a great reason to love it. So, but that's Actually, all. That's I all you think, got. That's the only one. I think Ellen's parents still have an Intellivision in the box. Oh wow. And then my only thought to that is, man, don't you just wish that was a different system? <laughs> yeah, right? What Can't a shame. just be like, oh Couldn't have spent a 2600 in a box? What a shame. Dude. But she played it. Like she's played into more on television than I have, and I'm a video game collector. Right. How effed up is that? Yep. I had one. Um, I used to – I had a couple paper routes as a kid, and so that always resulted in me having some pocket money. And you know you get those like town wide garage sales. Uh, yeah, I'm dude. sure at one of those uh, semi annual type things of meandering around the the bustling metropolis of Buda, somebody was trying to you know have one of those in a cardboard box and I was able to scoop it up. But at the same time, yeah, I remember having like two or three games for it, and none of them were any better than what I had on my Nintendo, my original Nintendo at the time. So it never got any love. You know, I had it, and I'm sure it, it who knows, probably just got thrown out. I'm not even sure what happened to it. If you read the Venture Beat article that you shared with me, yeah, he talks. He literally talks about how like this is not for gamers. This is for people who are not gamers. It's like you're making a game system that are that's right. not for gamers. I, I think I understand what he's trying to say. Is basically is like you don't need to. He says it. You, you don't need to invest fifty hours into a game to be a gamer, right? So that I understand. But also, I'm not trying to play that much in television ever. No. Ever, and he also for, for people that they did don't I read it wanna, right that he, they were said it'd be like you could watch Netflix and stuff on this thing, mm-hmm. and there'd be th- third party titles. I, who the fuck is making, dude? I am cursing way no. too much, but who the fuck is making in television games? I somebody who yeah, like very rarely I'm sure someone is right. I'm, at the same time, I bet 
they are probably aren't necessarily that difficult. Well, maybe they are very difficult to program for. What the hell do I know? But given the age of the hardware, it, it may be simpler. Because when they were programming in a television game, I can tell you this, it was probably like on graphing paper. You know, I bet even the computers people right. were using to create games on back then, they probably had compilers, and that was it. Like, everything else was in pencil, which is, pretty, I know, really crazy to think about, but it's just how insane it was in the 70s to try to make a game. But yeah, I, it, I take his point, but if he's looking for non-traditional gamers who want to play a game for three to five minutes at a time, great, let's just find all those people who haven't yet gotten a hold of a smartphone because I'm pretty sure they're already doing that. Like, right. what are you talking about? Oh, is it run Netflix? Or it says he won't run Netflix. Okay, yeah. But it, that's fine. That's not really a badge of honor. I mean, I'm glad it's not running Netflix because there's enough shit that runs Netflix at this point between Roku's and, and current-gen consoles. Hell, I think even you could probably even get it to, for the original Wii. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I, I just think it's... I don't understand it. I, it's a it's a labor of love. More more power to them. It's always cool to see people take risks. But then there's that part of me that just scratches my head like, no, <laughs> like no 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 no. Don't do that. Like we've already got a this massive, just windfall of all these classic consoles coming out. And I feel like to this point we've hit the ones that need to be hit. Right, with the exception, I mean, as far as going backward any further than the Nintendo Entertainment System, we we can talk right. about a mini PS One. We can talk about a mini GameCube. Like, there's still some retro stuff that is, you know, on the better side of 20 years old that would make for sure. a great re-release. But no, I don't think the uh, I don't think the ColecoVision and the Intellivision and all of that era needs anymore. I think. Wikipedia nope. and maybe a few YouTube videos of footage ought to do society good. Nobody's dying to get into those games, I don't think. I think mall kiosks are going to have a heyday during the Black Friday shopping season mm-hmm. with all these boxes. Dude, it reminds me of like 2004 when walking through a mall and there's like this whole area of like plug-and-play games. This is exactly what this is, and it's just going to get... Right gross and good for good on nintendo for sticking to their guns man and and doing this well because everybody else is now just following in line and it's getting real trashy real fast (laughs) it is and people have been doing that to them for years i guess and that's why i i get shocked like the wii u obviously was not um a, a success but so many people were just kind of like well i guess this just shows that nintendo's done with and it's like dude like they are always setting market trend you yeah People try to come up with something to make it successful. When Nintendo gets around to doing it, they actually make it successful. Case in point, Sega's been making these retro consoles for a while. None of it ever did anything. Hell, Atari did the same thing. I think my parents had like a Intellivision, or no, it wasn't Intellivision. It was uh, like an Activision one. They had another one that was like Miss Pac-Man on it, right? Like a little joystick you just plug right in the TV. We've had these for a while. But... Um, it took Nintendo to get theirs right, and now everybody's trying to follow suit. So, yeah, it's just too bad because, yeah, it it waters down the market, and I think people out there who are excited to get the Nintendo stuff but aren't going to part with the money are going to get the cheaper equivalent, a la Tallarico's Intellivision or something to that effect. They're going to be a little <laughs> disappointed. But uh, but it's still it's interesting to see the waves being made by Nintendo in these, in these retro consoles and the fact that we just cannot stop coming out with new ones. Well, speaking on looking back, on games we're gonna take a little page out of our friends from the loose thursday podcast and we're gonna do a top five. Oh yeah most replayable nes game that's original nintendo game okay 
not best game, but most replayable game that you might find you're sitting around. It's like, I want to play a Nintendo game. This is a game that you're going to throw in there. So Mm -hmm. I've got my list. Phil, you have yours. Yes. Yeah, I do. Okay. So Phil, why don't you give us game number five on your most replayable list? So, so the least replayable of my most replayable. Um, Yeah. That, this is going to be a really weird, really weird one to mention. Monopoly actually for Nintendo for the NES. Um, <laughs> because you're too lazy to count the money in the game. Like, <laughs> that might have been what got me started. No, so or to you, save your relationship so you don't, you know, start uh, arguing over <laughs> the thimble or flipping boards or shit. Well, you know what I think it started in um so I was living with uh Jared Walter years and years ago in LaSalle. We were sharing an apartment and he had one of those Xboxes that had been modded, the original Xboxes where you could put old Nintendo games and Super Nintendo games and stuff on it. And for whatever reason, Monopoly was on there. And uh, I think it was a friend of his that was living with us, or not living with but you know, it was just there all the time. You know how it was back then in your early 20s. There were certain people who just right. basically slept on your couch at all times. I've certainly yeah, done it Yeah, Stick to other essentially couches. lived at my apartment for about four years. Yeah, exactly. Um, he was our dude for that. And he was playing Monopoly. And we got into playing it because uh, Jared and I both just enjoyed the board game. And we just started getting better at figuring out what. The compute. What mistakes the computer would make? How? Could, what kind of trades could we get that were just like any human being would be like, no, don't do that. And we we were finding out just kind of poking holes in the logic of the game. And I don't know. I just got so used to it. So now I've got it on my uh, NES Classic Mini. I've got like a save state of it that just okay. already has it all ready to go with eight players. Uh, I'm the only human one, and then seven computers. And I just whoop them. I don't know. It's a great way to spend like 35 minutes. Uh, before I go to bed or something, just kind of solving for X, trying to figure out how I'm going to wipe all these people off the board. So right. making yeah, those shady trades. Exactly. Yeah. Really taking advantage of the failed logic of the, of the system. But yeah, I don't know why I bet it's strange to me to admit how many times I've played that particular game on the NES, because let's face it, it is an ugly game. It sounds terrible. It's a board game for Christ's sake. So it's not exactly exciting. It's not adventurous, but I keep coming back to that title all the time. Yeah. Okay. That's just, I'll give you that for number five. I don't. I, that would have never made even my. No. Uh, right. <laughs> it would no. never even crack my brain uh, for. Cannot blame you. Relatable. But right. uh, you know you're Phil and I'm rich and that's just the way it is. So, uh, but uh, so my number five, most replayable game, is RC Pro Am. Good title. It's, that's a good game. Is a just this random little racing game. You're essentially racing RC cars. But I still play it. Like, I have it on my Xbox. Uh, Rare, who made RC Pro-Am, actually mm-hmm. released, like, a Rare replay on Xbox. Yeah, I've heard, actually, so, I've never played it, but a lot of good titles on it, from what I've heard. Yeah, there's a lot of great titles on there, like the Banjo-Kazooie games, things like that. Conker's Mad mm-hmm. Day, which is pretty cool. It was, like, 30 bucks. It was awesome. Uh, yeah. But I will play it on my Xbox uh, when I'm not, I've got nothing to do. So, RC Pro-Am, number five, uh, just because it's... A lot of random fun. And I don't know if that makes anybody's list of even racing games to replay, but RC Pro-Am is a straight-up jam. That game, for me, I I got a, hate, I got a love-hate relationship with it because it is a, it's a really fun title. Uh, and it's got great, like, sound. It just it's, it, it looks great. It's just like a classic, emblematic NES game, I think. And a lot of people played it, and it was also a game I feel like I found in a lot of people's stacks of games, right, back when everybody was still playing this stuff when we were kids. But right. I feel like that's such a cheap-ass game. The computers in that game are so cheap. 
Like, they oh, will just dude. fly up on you. AI towards, like, can you, kiss my ass in that game. Oh, the AI in that game is such bullshit. Like, it will let it's you like, win, like, four like, races, uh, and then it will just game? kick Ivan, the shit Iron out of you. Man, Stewart, exactly. It's exactly like Off-Road. Yep, exactly like that game. Which, I, another game I do like to play and I'll pick up, but I just know it's going to leave me bitter. <laughs> so I don't pick it up right. very often. Yeah. Yeah. All right, awesome. so I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll, I'll throw my number four out there. Uh, and then you can come in with number four. But number four for me, Castlevania, the original on uh, NES. Excellent uh, title. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's a that's a game that would people would consider one of the best NES games of all time. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. Uh, but for me, the reason why I replay it is because I've never beat the game. Ugh, it's one of those yeah, games hard. that I've never beat, and I get to me one either. point in the game, and it frustrates me. And it's, I don't know if you probably remember this, is where the Medusa heads come flying around. Right, and you gotta yeah. you gotta hit the pattern just right, in order to make it through. And if you don't have the right weapon, it's even more difficult. So, right, um, yeah, Castlevania, the original, number four for me. Yeah, that is a great game. Um, I've enjoyed that one. I I have also not beat it, and I'm with you on the Medusa heads. There's something with them where they they love putting them where there's just pits everywhere. Like you got to jump across like a, a gap somewhere, and that's one of those games where when you get hit, it knocks you back, and so. I get game over it all the time from those damn things. It's like the Ninja Gaiden birds just always kicking oh, my ass. Oh, dude. Yeah, you have, to, you have to like incorporate a glitch in order to beat the game. That's how crazy that <laughs> game is. Right. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, my fourth one is uh, a game actually I think you might have introduced me to, strangely enough, or somehow we had talked about it in the past, was a Mighty Bomb Jack. That's kind of an obscure oh, one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love me some Mighty Bomb Jack. Yep, the old halftime show from uh, Tecmo Super Bowl, a game which I almost yeah, made to the, it almost made it to my list too. I feel like that's sixth, but um, so Mighty Bomb Jack. The reason I love that one, in terms of like gameplay control, that game is so tight. It's such a good like satisfying game. Like when you die in that game, it's your fault. I've never felt cheated in that game, but it's really intense and I. The way it works where you can kind of jump up really high and then tap the button to float as you kind of come mm-hmm. back down. It's just a different, a, a totally different kind of platforming game of which there were many for the NES, but I just Yeah, it's really almost like loved. a platformer puzzle type game. Yeah, I mean, it's really kind of, a it hits bit. a lot of it. Yep, it hits a lot of stuff, and but they do it really well. Um, and I just really, it's very hard. <laughs> it's very difficult, but uh, I get a lot of fun out of it. I'll pick that up. And it's just an easy one for me to play for like 10 minutes at a time and, and walk away from it and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, cool. So what, uh, what's cool. your number three there, Phil? My number three, um, these top three, the, well, of course, I think all five are good, but this one is going to be, I think, probably lower on my list than it would be for some is the original Legend of Zelda. I put that mm-hmm. at number three. Um, that's one of those games that, yeah, if you're stuck on like, you know, the whole question of are you on a deserted island type of game that's a great title um just like a one of the best ones for the nes and i just know it right like you know it as well but there's something when you already know a game that intimately well where you know where everything is it's just kind of a comfortable game to sit down with and it's just an easy one to just sink your teeth into again well i mean i'll admit that's i mean i'll throw it out there that's that's my number one replayable oh right uh that's a game that i've i learned to speed run that's a game that you could like for like you said you can literally sit down just pick up and it's great to remember even if you let's let's right. say you played in the past you know where level one is you mm-hmm. know what i mean you know where to bomb uh to get the secrets and the hearts and stuff like that like you slowly start to remember those things and they and they start to to come back to you so uh yeah i cannot disagree with your number three there man that's that's uh 
that's that's really cool. Uh, but I'm gonna circle back to my number three, and you just mentioned it. Uh, and for whatever reason, I had not originally put it on my list, but I'm gonna say it now because that Tecmo Super Bowl is without a doubt in my top five. Yeah, uh, it's most good game. games. And I'll go and I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll throw it at number three, uh, because you know I have a hacked PSP, and that's a game I always throw in. Uh, as sort of a uh, a game that I can sort of help me ignore the flight. Like if I'm on a long flight, it's a play a few games in a season, build up some stats. But that's one of the first games I remember that, you know, I'm, I'm a sports junkie or used to be, especially when I was a kid. And the fact that it kept stats while you played, uh, standings had a full on season, Super Bowl playoffs. Uh, dude, that game is way more robust than it should be on the NES. Right. But the fact that it had almost, it had, just about every NFL licensed player, with the exception of QB Eagles, QB Bills, and QB Browns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I have no, like, why is Bernie Kosar not allowing his name right. on the Bernie game? Bernie Kosar was Reno's really like, holding yeah, out sure, for some more money, man. Yeah, I don't yeah. get why, but. <laughs> so, yeah, Tecmo Super Bowl, that's going to go ahead and jump into my in my number three. Uh, right on. Number, go ahead. Oh, number two? Well, my number two um, is uh, Mega Man 2. That's one of those games that, yep. um, in terms of a platformer, I know I'd mentioned how Mighty Bomb Jack uh, really had tight controls. Um, this is, they're about as tight. Mega Man 2 has a little bit of slipperiness to it, I feel like, sometimes when you're coming across platforms. But it's just another game, also kind of like I mentioned about Zelda, where I've just learned to know that game so well because I played it so much as a kid that I can just almost beat that game with my eyes closed. So another yeah, just dude. great game where the music's solid, level design solid. Um, I, I still find that to be the best Mega Man game that came out. They didn't, they weren't trying to tack Agreed. on other factors to it to really kind of spice it up. Not that I have a problem with that whole Rush Dog business that they put on the later titles, but yeah, I just that game's excellent and uh, it's just a, a lot of fun to play. Yeah, if you ever want to get the essence of a uh, Nintendo Entertainment System, play Mega Man Two. And that's right. uh, that's what it's all about for Nintendo. And that game should be in my top five, uh, but for parody's sake, you know, throwing in Tecmo Super Bowl, uh, that game is you know five A or five B for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Just, sure. Uh, again, that's another game I play on my Xbox because uh, Capcom came out with the, you know the Mega Man Classic, uh, Mega Man Collection, uh, and I can play all the Mega Mans like one through nine, I believe. Uh, on that's Xbox, awesome. Which is yeah. I heard. I heard that game was really great too because what was really neat about it there's a uh, there was a guy who was talking about video game history not so long ago I was listening to, and uh, really the argument for emulation is not necessarily bad, and that the ability to try to talk some of these software houses like Capcom, which he did, into basically repackaging, not just re-releasing their Mega Man titles, but to repackage them in a way that added some historical um, Utility, you know, it kind of gave it something mm-hmm. cool to look into and learn about besides just playing it. And he uh, specifically mentioned the the Mega Man collection. So if, when you're playing it, is it like it, it's not an updated version like the Ducktales redo? No. This was like no. just the no. Legit this is old just, one. it's just a straight up uh, report of the. I mean, it still has the eight bit graphics. Uh, awesome. Now there are some things. I mean, you can still do like they have different challenges that you can do within the game. So. Uh, there are extra elements to each game, um, and you can do some safe states and, and things like that. So uh, there are definitely some positives for people who have yet to pick up the game. You know, you can, you know, uh, Mega Man takes, what, a novice person an hour to beat maybe, probably less than that. But, I mean, I know the speed run, you can do it in, what, 20, 
six, 27 minutes, whatever. Yeah, they just um, set a rec- reset the record a little bit. Somebody broke it yeah. not that long ago. Uh, of course, that depends on if you're going to throw the zips in and things like that, but that's uh, another topic for another time. Right. Um, so anyway, it's a game that everybody can pick up and learn, and then once it's in one of those games where, like, hey, if you don't know the pattern, it's okay, you die, you come back, you try it again. It's just it's classic platforming at its best. And I think that even people who have never played the game before, I think you can get a lot out of it. So uh, it's perfect for new gamers as well as people like me who love Mega Man's, all of them. Yeah, I agree. It's it's definitely one of those games. That I, just, I was thinking about it as you were explaining. It's it's a great game because it will you'll die a lot, <laughs> possibly, but it's the learning curve on it's good. It's not yeah. excessive, but it's also not it's just not so impossible. easy that it bores you. Right. Good Excellent. challenge game. Good challenge. Uh, so, so, did you already name your two, or is that yours? I have not named my two, but I, I'm thinking that well, your two is my two is going to be your one at this point, right? So, uh, maybe I don't know. We'll see. Uh, right. But Super Mario Brothers one. How that simple is my is that? one. Yep. You know Absolutely. that's a game that you can always throw in for a quick, you know, beat of a game. If you, if you need to feel good about yourself, you need to beat a game. Throw Mario Brothers one. It'll take you a few minutes. And uh, you feel pretty good about yourself. And plus, it takes you back to a day where you sat Indian style in front of the TV, mm-hmm. had yourself yep. a bowl of Captain Crunch or a Nintendo-flavored cereal, um, whatever it is your parents had waiting for you that day, maybe a Pop-Tart. Um, so, yeah, that it just too many memories for that uh, for me from that game. Also, the first game that you and I really speed run, uh, so it holds right. a lot of just memories for me. And it's a game I love, man. It's a, it's a, it's a cool, cool game. Yeah, I agree. No, that's... Uh... I, it was a game that obviously I I didn't actually care for when I was younger because it was just the game that everybody had. It was just in the box and it came with Duck Hunt, and you know you might pick it up a little bit, but you were easily way more interested in Ninja Gaiden or Super Mario Two, Three, just a lot of other titles. And it it didn't necessarily age well graphically compared to um, the other Nintendo games that have come out. But yeah, like you had said, we started going back and we're playing it. Um, a little competitively, kind of timing ourselves so you could beat it the, the quickest. And this was kind of before, I not to say that we somehow were like Lewis and Clark of speedrunning or something, but this was before I think speedrunning got to where it was, and which is cool because back then we were good. Uh, nowadays, we I've got to, I mean, oof, there's no way I could even begin to compete. Like I'm probably minutes behind the fastest people at that game. Right. But it is a game that... I don't know. At this point, it, we've gotten so memorized, it might as well be like Guitar Hero, where you're just like you just run to the right yeah. and you jump at the right time when you see the right thing coming your way. But it's also just such a clean game. Um, it's also just got great controls, and it, I've always used it as kind of like my level set, you know, just to make sure. If nothing else, if I got to check to make sure everything's hooked up properly, I'll pop that one in and play it for a few minutes to check. So um, yeah, always just got a love for that game, and it's one that I can pick up and play daily if I had to. Yeah, and that's a game that everybody can play. That's the cool thing about right. it is, you know, literally you need no skills whatsoever to play Mario Brothers 1. So, but I mean, it's not that to easy be- to beat. It's not super easy to beat, but, I mean, you still, I mean, like, if you're going to pick up a game, it should be Mario Brothers 1. Yeah, I agree. And when I have a, when I have a little baby, like, we're going to play Mario Brothers 1 uh, at some point, and we're going to teach Excellent. him the evolution of video games. It's a great place to start. I Him, like. I just assumed it's a boy because you know I'm a I'm gender biased. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I think that it's uh, it'll be a great game because it does kind of it establishes the platforming like genre. The because there's so much you just take for granted. Like I look back at it or I try to anyway with some historical context. And that game, the fact that it scrolls to the right is new. The fact that they were like some the way they even get clouds in the color of the sky, like there's that is so old, but yet right. it all the games that came after it followed it. And right. yeah, it, try to get me to play a platforming game and make me go to the left, I freak out. Right. And it's this idea of like, well, yeah, it doesn't look as good as all the other platforming games. Well, Jesus, it that's because it came out with no, it, there were no platforming games to imitate really yet. Um, which, I mean, of course there were, but nothing like the imitations that other people took from Super Mario Brothers. So uh, yeah. the whole exploration element of it, I think what I love the most is learning about the background of how there is a tutorial in it and that no one would know. Like in the World right. 1-1 is designed, that first pipe is there for a reason to teach you how to jump. The blocks with the question marks are there without any enemies and mixed in with bricks. So you can also learn how to interact with the blocks in the game. Mm -hmm. And then the next enemy is a, a Goomba because you're meant to, you can either run up to it and die, or sorry, get injured and not die because you just got that mushroom. It's just great that they walked through how to, if no one knew a single thing and was just experimenting right. with it. Um, which another separate subject I won't get into is how they've, because of that, it's been a strong go-to for uh, AI researchers. I don't know if you knew that. The When they start testing with like computers and like learning software, having IT like a learning, uh, I don't know how to really put it, machine learning, that's it. When they start working with uh, some of the machine learning stuff, they, they love going back to Super Mario 1 because it's designed in a way that teaches you as opposed to just kind of challenging you and, and killing you when you get it wrong. Yeah, of course. So yeah, that's, that's it. Uh, I want to throw out some honorable mentions because my tastes have changed since I was an adult because my most replayable game when I was a child definitely was not Castlevania. Um, however, uh, games like RoboCop were games that I played a shitload of when I was younger <laughs> sure. and Bad Street Brawler. Uh, were a couple games that I played a lot when I was a kid uh, because they were quirky and I really loved RoboCop back in the day. So, yeah, my taste awesome. changed as I grew up a little, a little bit. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is just it's hard to there's so much res there's so much resource now available to find which games are objectively good, the ones yeah. that everybody can agree were great back then. All you had to go by was whether your local store had it to rent or whatever, and what the box art had. <laughs> there wasn't really a way to know. <laughs> What was shit and what wasn't. Oh, man. So, I'll never forget so, the time I picked up City Connection. Connection. And I was like, what is this? Right. I mean, I liked it, but I was like, dude, like I was not ready for City Connection when the first time I looked at the first time I picked it up and rented it from a video store. Um, but yeah, I don't know why I remember City Connection as well as I do, but. Yeah, no, I agree. That's the one game. I always think about the fact that that's the only game I can think of on the NES, apart from like Metal Gear, that has the main character smoking a cigarette in it, which kind of cracks <laughs> me up. Because there's obviously, there's none of that happening now, really. But, no, um, yep, never. back then, eight-year-olds just playing a game where the main character, when he does a good job, just pulls over and lights up a smoke. And you pull up your, you go to Casey's and get yourself some candy cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. uh, and also, I don't know if you remember this, but they also made, like, chew cans with beef jerky. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was weird, right? Oh, what the hell was like that Like, you could about? put a dip of beef jerky in your lip. Yes. Like, that was the I most delicious dip I've ever had. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, if we I got put that into... shit in my mouth, dude, it makes me want to throw up. It's gross. Oh, yeah. But this is a, a terrible thing to admit. I was doing that. I was using that beef jerky dip from Casey's. 
And then it dawned on me, oh man, you know what? We can. I'm out of this stuff. The next best thing, I need to get into these bacon bits in the refrigerator to start dipping <laughs> bacon bits, man. Spoiler alert: it works. So if it you're into works. The taste of, if you're in the taste of bacon, and you want to, and you're an eight-year-old child in the 1990s, uh, go for it. It'll work. Yeah. Well, Phil, we're almost out of time, but before we go, you and I both have a gripe. This is, again, back to our friends over at the uh, Loose Thursday podcast. Uh, And I brought this up earlier, and I think you agree with me. But um, So we're going to talk about Westworld real quick. So if you have not seen Westworld and you want to watch it, this is your official spoiler point right here. Um, And I'll make sure I put a note of that in the comments. But it gets real spoilery probably right about here um and and not spoilery because i know a lot was going on and hopefully phil you can lead me in but dude this this season of westworld is i can't do it i don't there's too much happening it makes no sense to me and makes me not want to watch at all okay so the first thing i have to say is i agree now i'm not going to stop watching because i i do still really love it but um i don't know there's i'm being left with a little I'm, I'm longing for what i was getting out of the episodes in the first season um the whole shogun world facet of this so far i think has been a colossal waste of narrative oh my god uh, they hyped that up so much and right. the message boards and, and reddit so- were like shogun world's gonna happen and they literally shit in my mouth like that's uh, <laughs> I'm so upset hope not literally damn no poop poop your mouth <laughs> Um, yeah, I agree. A lot of people were really excited. I thought it was going to be kind of cool. If nothing else, I was almost, I, I felt like that might have been them going a little too broad. You know, I was thinking, shit. And that's really It was like what Ninja happened, Turtles right? 3 is what it yeah, was. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, I didn't. I had not thought of that. Holy shit, you're right, dude. It was some pretty hokey shit. Now, uh. at the same time, um, with an understanding that I have about Japanese culture, which is probably higher than the average person, admittedly, um, or embarrassingly. Uh, anyway, the, I would say that they were getting some pretty cool stuff right. Things like their attention to detail has already been such a, a huge part of what's made them, what this show successful or is what's interested people who enjoy it, right? Because right. it's really excellent acting. And that's not that's not being lost here. Um, some Even just the pronunciation of like the Japanese lines in it were like really impressive. They were doing a nice job. Uh, Tan- uh, what's her name? Newton. Thandy. Thandy Newton. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, she was doing a great job with that. But I just yeah, don't. Yeah, dude, Maeve's great, dude. She's great. But it didn't matter. Like, that whole plot point, I don't know, man. I don't think her character arc's mattering to me yet. And I, I hope I'm, I stand to be corrected later, but it just has not mattered to me at all. And I'm also good. I'm not really a fan of that British dude who writes the narratives. He just kind of grates right. at me. Um, for the most part, I kind of even feel the same way with the rest of the texts that are in their little band of thieves. So, yeah, that whole leg, I just don't need it. I'm more interested. I know I'd mentioned a couple episodes ago that I, I'm getting this impression that Westworld, I thought it was a show about like a sea of robots who kind of awaken and become self-aware within a theme park. And now I'm beginning to think it's a show about a man who built the most, like basically built, the best android or whatever that he could and that that became self-aware i'm starting to think and again it's kind of the whole spoiler alert thing i'm on the impression that wyatt is what's been behind this whole thing it was never bernard mm-hmm. working with dolores it was always wyatt working on bernard getting stuff lined right. up behind the scenes the the whole fact that 
they kind of tease that whole thing where she's checking for fidelity with Bernard leads me to believe that whatever kind of everlasting life goals that uh, Delos had and that the man in black was kind of operating on with as far as like the long-term goal of the company, Wyatt was able to get into there and learn how that works and has probably done a much better job of perfecting it. So I think we'll start seeing some people might start being having uh, backups basically. So yeah. I don't know the whole, it, that part is very exciting to me and I'm, I'm really interested to see where that goes. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good on the Japanese part for now. I'd like to just have it keep with Bernard, the whole fact that what happens to Abernathy and all of that. I, some of the storylines are, I mean, I'm just, even this, like I said, the storylines are really starting to bother me a little bit. So Dolores' storyline story line is kind of like, okay, I'm over it. The Man in Black has sort of shifted to like a mm-hmm. self-realization of, uh, you know, who he was supposed to be. And now he's with his daughter or whatever, you know. And I don't know. It's It almost seems like they're jumping the shark a little bit. And maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong. And, and I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I need to go rewatch. Oh, I I need to go rewatch the series or, or the, this season because I feel like I'm missing a few of the plot holes or whatever, but uh, I'm not getting a whole lot of what I desired in this season that I got the first. And it, it's, re- it's really hard with a, with a show like Westworld. The first season was so good. It's oh, hard so to good. like stay on top like that. You know, few shows can do that. Right. Um, I agree. But, and I, and, and I, and I, and I almost, shark. It, oh, sorry. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. It almost seems like they they wrote season one, and then they were like, okay, cool, let's see if it works. And then it worked, and they are like, okay, well, shit, now we got to come up with season two. What the fuck are we going to do? Right. And so that's no, kind of what I'm getting from this. Uh, and like I said, I'm going to rewatch it. Maybe I'll change my mind. But at this point, like, I, I watched it, and like I'll, I'll put it up and put it in my office while I'm working on some other things. And maybe it's because I'm not actively watching it. It's more of a passive in the background. Um and maybe that's what, I, what I'm missing. But even when I'm listening to it, essentially, like, there's nothing that's p- drawing me in to be like, oh, cool. Like, you know, let's figure out what Maeve's doing or Shogun World. Great. I, I look at one thing. I'm like, dude, this is so hokey. And it looks exactly like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. And I travel <laughs> back in time. I'm just right. not interested. I'm not. And I hate that I'm not interested. But, but like you, I'm going to keep watching because I'm invested. But yeah. I don't know, man. I'm hoping they can find a way to pull me back in. Yeah, I, I, as far as like jumping the shark, it, what sucks is that it's so it's not as bad as what some of jumping the shark can be. But it's it's the whole idea of like, well, where did it start and where is it at now, and what's the difference? And I'm with you. It's it's disheartening, you know, how great this first season was and where I kind of feel like this season's going. I'm still giving it the benefit of the doubt. Um, I'll still, of course, stick with the end. Not even just because of necessarily investing in it. Even even a bad season of Westworld is still a great season of television in general, so I'm good there. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm kind of like, oh, man, (laughs) I really wanted this to be good like last year, you know? Because I take your point, (laughs) I think maybe maybe they did kind of just see this is going to be a very expensive endeavor, and who knows if it's going to really hit, and so there's no point. Let's just get this first season right and see what happens. And and I think they did that, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if they just kind of were given the same luxury of of getting everything right for the second season as much as it was more like, we need more of these, can we get them made soon, please? So, I don't know. But at the same time, yeah, good TV, but so far just disappointing, I think, for for us compared to how the first season went. I'm just ready for Game of Thrones to come back next year, and that's all I'm going to say. 
Yep, that'll be good stuff, too. All right, Phil, well, I think we can go ahead and call this episode Dunzo. Episode 9 in the books, Complete Inbox Podcast. You can check us out on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you catch your podcasts. Phil, uh, I can safely say that I don't have any vacations planned uh, in the future, so we might be able to uh, do one of these uh, a little more regularly, uh, as long as you have the time, so... Uh, be on the lookout for a new episode, hopefully sometime next week. Uh, Phil, anything, any last words for our friends out in podcast land? You know, I don't think so, uh, but excellent talking to you this week. And yeah, looking forward to getting back together next week. All right. Complete Box Podcast. Check you later. Later. Later.